I've had the fortune of meeting a lot of you guys at B2B SaaS conferences all around the world. And one of my favorites is coming up in New York City, June 4th to 5th. That is SaaStock East Coast. Now, it's my favorite, and I can say that because I'm getting asked to speak at almost every major SaaS conference because my data set is so large. Nobody has anything like it. And the reason SaaStock is my favorite is because it's the most curated. It's a large group of extremely intelligent individuals. In fact, many CEOs I've had on the show will be at SaaS Stock East Coast on June 4th through 5th in New York, including many you guys have heard of, like Rajit Thomas, CEO and founder of Sprinkler, Daniel, CEO of Greenhouse, and Stacey Bishop, partner at Scale Venture Partners. So I hope to see you guys there. If you decide to come, I will get coffee with you and I can get you guys a great discount, I think, as well. You can check it out at this link, nathanlacka.com forward slash East. SAS, S-A-A-S-T-O-C-K, East. And then use code LATKA-20 to get a 20% discount. That's L-A-T-K-A hyphen two zero. L-A-T-K-A hyphen two zero. And then shoot me a text if you decide to come so we can get coffee, 703-431-2709. I hope to see you guys there. He's cranking along with Ethneo again, launched in 20, 2006 really as a side project, then did a stint at Facebook, quit Facebook full-time to go full-time into Ethneo in 2014, still bootstrapped now five or six people, all remote, really helping, uh, again, with UX research and really recruiting for UX research using different things that they have built in like screeners, dynamic testing, and things of that nature. Uh, today, doing about 125 grand per month in revenue, growing 30% year over year, so call it 90 grand a month uh, just about a year ago, serving about 150 customers that pay on average, call it 10 grand per year. Oh, about 100% net revenue retention annually. Again, uh, growing at a pace that he loves being bootstrapped. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Nate Bolt. He's the founder of Ethneo, a five-person SaaS company. He's former, he's the former research manager at Facebook and Instagram. And uh, as a CEO of Bolt uh, and Peters and faculty at the SVA IXD program, we'll jump more into that in a second. He's also the co-author of Remote Research and Once Drone, the NYPL. Based in LA at, with his wife, son, and two dogs. Nate, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah. All right. Break down those big acronyms for us. What does faculty at the SVA IXD program mean? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a design graduate degree um, at uh, School of Visual Arts in New York. So they do a lot of research as part of their, you know, kind of degree. And and they bring in different industry researchers to help teach some of their graduate courses. Very it's good. been years since I did that, but it's a cool program. Very cool. And then just peel back the onion a little bit. Give us a glimpse into what you're doing as research manager at Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, that was um, that was helping to manage, you know, these uh, smaller teams of experienced researchers or design researchers. They're they're on the product teams along with designers, researchers, data scientists, engineers, and their job is to put a little bit of a human face, bring some empathy into that product design process where you have mounds of data, you've got metrics galore, 
But sometimes, you know, you need to travel to a different culture, different country, or at least do remote research to get a face, a human face on these interactions, you know, put some why behind the, these what trends that you see in the data. Yeah, yeah, this this sounds very, you know, we just had the, the CEO of user testing on the show. And oh, yeah, yeah Daryl. Yeah, Daryl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was great. And, you know, he came on and shared, you know, shared numbers. You know, they're hoping for 40 percent year over year growth this year. Uh, and, you know, they, they, I mean, you know, their numbers, they're, they're cranking it. Um, he, he also said human, human, human. And my answer, my question to him was like, you've got full story taking off. You got like hot jar taking off kind of data oriented. How are you differentiating from those kind of platforms? It's such a good question. And, you know, the field of human computer interaction, HCI, that sort of comes from cognitive science. The basic concept is that forever, as long as there's been an interface, there's been people that have trying to automate the process of understanding how it's used, you know, back to the even the military in the 70s developing, you know, pilot interfaces and airplanes. The idea is like, man, can't we just use computers to generate patterns and trends and data on how the actual humans are using these computers? And if you're talking about computers watching people use computers, there's a problem there. You know, and and a lot of these tools like Hotjar and and even user testing to a certain uh, extent, although they're very human focused, they're automating that feedback loop. And you need to have humans watching humans use computers to really complete the design process. Most, you know, product designer these days, there's been, it's a funny pendulum swing year to year, but a lot of product designers now get that that qualitative insight is a key part of the product development life cycle. It's just too easy to say like, ah, just farm it out. We got analytics. You know, what do we need humans for? It's not like we're actually building for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so walk me through how you're actually solving this, right? So, so how does the product work? Yeah, I mean, in Ethneo's case, we're very niche. You know, we're targeting professional UX researchers, teams of like two or more. That's Ethneo. It's the logistics that come into play at scale. You know, if you and I just need to watch somebody use our our kind of early stage SaaS, it's pretty easy to do that. You know, we can grab somebody at a coffee shop. We can even get family. There's not really a logistical challenge around small scale, one-on-one human observation. But when you're talking about 50 researchers, 75 countries, 30 studies, you know, 22 product teams, all of a sudden the challenges in finding the right participants, scheduling them, paying them, tracking them, storing them, they magnify, you know, and you're talking about the, the uh, age old SaaS competitor of spreadsheets, yep. just spreadsheets on spreadsheets on spreadsheets. So that's really our thing. So I have my own product. I'm working out into it. I we're launching a new app. I want to target based off like device, browser, location, operating system, something like that, maybe purchase history. Um, uh, uh, I, I launch a survey inside of Intuit so that I know that I'm getting my users who already know Intuit to take this kind of user testing. Uh, what do you, so you get their contact information. I'm the Intuit employee. What do I do? Do I set up a Skype call and they screen share and I watch them use the app? Like how is it actually done? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. But there's a key point there that's a little bit different. And that's for a company like Intuit, who's had over the years, like 45 different, you know, Ethneo integrations, they pass the variables to an Ethneo screener. Screeners just are like word for survey. It's the same thing. But functionally, instead of it being about aggregate data, they can pass all those things that you just said to our intercept. But the thing is, when you're internally using a survey tool, like let's just say Qualtrics or 4C or these tools that are designed for aggregate data, there's all these little things that don't work the same way when you're talking about getting a real human for one-on-one research. So they implement Ethneo JavaScript or like iOS or Android, whatever. They're passing all that stuff straight to Ethneo because their researchers can go in and modify that stuff dynamically, like on the fly. You know, you get two people using QuickBooks and you're like, oh, we should have asked about their, you know, X, Y, Z criteria that we forgot. 
so they can dynamically modify the screen or modify the targeting. And then their next participant, let's assume it's a remote session in Zoom or Skype or, you know, all those tools, it's up to each research team for the testing. But they can modify the criteria in Ethnio really quickly. That's kind of our game. That's I see. I see. Okay, talk to me about pricing. So I'm sure you have a bunch of cohorts, but I don't want to go down every kind of use case story. Well, what's the average customer pay you per month, would you say? You know, most of our customers at this point are enterprise. So our our license, you know, they they range from, you know, on the enterprise side. Well, let's start with self-service. You see it. It's on the pricing page. It's like you can do a self-service for like 80, 79, 80 bucks a month. Yep. The enterprise stuff, you know, you know this game. It's like all over the map. Depending Give me like on the, the minimum size. though, typically. Yeah, the minimum is like, I don't know, 8 or 10K a year. Cool. Um, and then on up from there, depending on the the size of the team. Yep. T- 10 grand might just be like the minimum features, a very, very small team. Jump in, try it out. Yeah. And and just to be clear, that's more reflective of your average than an $80 a month price point. Yeah, it is. Because the, I think the value proposition for Ethneo is more centered on larger teams at this point. It's evolved yep. over the years. Yeah. Put all this on a timeline for me. When did you launch? So side project starting in 2006, we had a research agency and this was like a uh, What's that? This is Bolt Peters. Peters. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. So NSF doing the kind of consulting thing, we realized there was a need just for us, that that kind of thing. So side project from 2006 to 2014. And then it was really, you know, when I left Facebook in 2014, it was like to work on Ethneo full time. So it's been, you know, three or four years of like full time focus. And now we're, you know, five or six people and bootstrapped, um, continuing to grow that way. That's great. So you've decided to kind of stay bootstrapped, which I love. What have you scaled to in terms of total customers without raising capital? Yeah. um, So we're like, you know, 150 paying customers a month, but some of those have 80 or 100 accounts, you know, seats. So there can be pretty large teams yep. and then something like 2000 accounts in the, across the freemium spectrum. Yep. Yep. No, that's great. If I, ju- I mean, so can I kind of back into this, right? If you've got 150 kind of in your enterprise cohort at 10 grand a year, you know, that means you're doing what just in that segment North of 125 grand a month, something like that. So that's exactly right, man. That's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> cool. 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 And that, and that just to be clear, that doesn't count yourself. You have more revenue than that because it's sell. There's some self-serve stuff. That's right. That's right. But that's a pretty small percentage and shrinking of our total revenue. Yeah. Okay, good. So you're definitely moving more towards, again, higher touch, enterprise, five-person team. Yep, that's right. Give me some of the growth. So where were you? If you're at 125 grand a month today. Roughly 30% year over year. Um, One of the things that we're seeing the biggest growth in is paying research participants internationally. Okay. That's a weird sort of thing that we've offered for years. And it's just been exploding recently because if you have somebody in Brazil or China, actually paying them in a way that's decent is terribly hard there's you mean like brazil huge, it's like boletos or like totally yeah. or even china like there's china amazon but there's some other stuff and like it's hard to get those accounts let's say if you're in the u.s you have to have a chinese credit card to get a chinese amazon account and so then to issue a chinese amazon gift card you have to go through like these third-party aggregators there's a million of them but like perks.com or tango card or and they're not really built for researchers so that's been like a side offering for us. But just lately in the last couple of months, it's been exploding because a lot of these product companies need to handle their international participants much more carefully. Now they they're trying to grow and expand in all these developing countries and just paying somebody in a country that's that's maybe not as popular in the roadmap of gift cards is hard. Yep. Are you uh, because of your expansion uh, activities, are you above 100 percent net revenue retention annually today or no? Just barely. Barely. OK, good, good. So, so your expansion is just about making up your lost revenue. Okay. And, and the, the ones that are churning, are those most of the self-serve folks? That's exactly right. Although, you know, we see some enterprise churn, you know, these teams very understandably need different tools, different teams, you know how it goes. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason I ask is these kinds of tools I have before, um, you know, seen serious seasonality where like Q1, they're doing a big test. Right. And they want to like check all this stuff or they're like on six month sprints. Right. So yeah. every like once a month, two times a year, they they ramp up these kinds of you know paying you and then they go away for a while. Do you see this kind of churn? You know, we used to see it a little bit on seasonality, but the size of the teams buffers against that a little bit. Okay. So once you're more than five researchers, like somebody's usually always actively engaging, um, even if a couple people are like on that long term, we're taking a break now before we get ramped up again. Yeah. Okay. Talk to me about getting these new customers. So a $10,000 ACV account, what are you willing to spend to acquire that customer? You know, we right now spend $0 on marketing and sales mm -hmm. and that's uh, like, it's kind of cool, but it's really stupid on my part long-term. So that's an area we're looking to like get better at. We just do inbound word of mouth. Okay. All of our accounts we have, we do zero outbound, zero sales and marketing, which it's like, what? But that's like dumb. I'm not proud of that in the slightest. That's a big Yeah, area. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's something that I always, like if people don't know the number, it's good because you haven't spent money, but it's bad because, well, how do you scale, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, so big, of the six people you have right now on the team, break them down. Okay. Just four you. Four engineers and me. Yeah. Okay. One salesperson, you, and then four engineers. Okay. So theoretically you could take your salary plus the salesperson's salary divided by the number of new customers per year and kind of back into something. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And that's, you know, one of our big priorities for, let's say early next year. Are you guys all spread out remote locations? Yeah. So you got it. That's yeah. awesome. That's very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. what do you, so, so as you do, um, start launching some paid experiments. How do you think about um, setting up the framework for a good experiment and, and the decision tree that you'll use at the end to determine whether to you know, do that more or less? Well, you know, for me, when I'm looking at all the types of marketing and sales initiatives we can do, I keep landing, you know, because people do content marketing, they do different kinds of spending on sales and acquisition in our weird, weird niche space, because we're not even like, let's say user testing is in the much more broad arena of like consumer research. So they get tons of different types of customers using it. We're literally professional UX researchers are like 75% of our customer base. So how do we build and you know market to those people who have incredibly specific needs? I actually think we're going to build a spinoff brand just to offer value to them as like a way of doing functional marketing. I know it's a bit weird as like a growth strategy. You mean like professional services stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, Nothing, um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that if it drives up lifetime value and stickiness to the SaaS product. Yeah. And I think Ethno is a bit locked into this professional only arena and it also allows us to target more people. Yep. Okay. So bootstrap today, um, thinking about raising capital or no? Huh? No, I would prefer not to. I think, you know, when you see these buffer articles and the, you know, with, there's like this funny trend of buybacks happening right now, either, either for real or, or fake outs. And I think, you know, I'm just feeling more and more ammunition over the years to keep it bootstrapped if we can, because we're growing well. I think we're positioned very long term. I'd love to have this thing for years and years and years and add the designers and, you know, more marketing and sales staff that we need. And it seems like we'll be able to do that bootstrap. I mean, who knows? But that's yeah. cool. So, so if Facebook goes, Nate, we want you back. We've got these other projects to work you on. What are you doing right now per month? And right, okay, whatever. We'll pay you, you know, 10x, whatever your ARR is. Do you take the deal and sell or no? <laughs> I Luckily, I don't think they're going to do that. So I don't have to worry about it. But <laughs> I mean, I, I think there. it's just we're in such a little niche here that we're providing value for these specific types of researchers and we're able to keep growing and, and I'm happy to do that. Good. All right, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Favorite business book? I mean, I guess Innovator's Dilemma. Is it cheesy to say that? No, nah, it's not cheesy. <laughs> Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, You know, I like the Buffer guy. I forget his name, but his Joel. transparency is awesome. Yeah, Joel. Yep. Number uh, three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? 
Mm, man, um, I guess right now Clubhouse. Clubhouse, good. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, six to seven. Okay, that's pretty good. Situation, yeah. married, single kids? Uh, married, one kid. One kiddo, how old are you? Uh, he's, he's a year old. And how old are you? Oh, I'm 40. 40, okay, last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Oh, man, um, that's a great question. I think you don't have to stay in San Francisco quite as long as you did. <laughs> Guys, there you have it. You don't have to stay in San Fran as long as you think you need to if you want to build your own company. He's cranking along with Ethnio again, launched in 20, 2006 really as a side project, then did a stint at Facebook, quit Facebook full-time to go full-time into Ethnio in 2014, still bootstrapped now five or six people, all remote, really helping, uh, again, with UX research and really recruiting for UX research using different things that they have built in like screeners, dynamic testing, and things of that nature. Uh, today, doing about 125 grand per month in revenue growing 30 percent year over year so call it 90 grand a month uh, just about a year ago serving about 150 customers that pay on average call it 10 grand per year oh about 100 percent net revenue retention annually uh, again uh, growing at a pace that he loves being bootstrapped thank you so much nate for taking us to the top thanks man good talking to you